You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, go ahead and turn to Acts 5. While you're turning there, uh, I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, may have been really unique for you in the time that we're in. Uh, may have been normal. I don't know, but I hope it was a wonderful day. I know we had a wonderful day. Uh, I did the very typical thing where I ate a ton of food with no shame. No shame at all. Now, I'm still going. I've done a really good job. I'm on a, on a roll of Thanksgiving meals for every meal for three days straight. So, and I'm, there's no turning back. I'm just going to go till those leftovers are gone. Um, it's one of the benefits of marrying somebody that can really cook. That food never gets old. Um, and if, if you know me or anything about me, you know that this is my favorite time of year. I love the fall. I love the fall for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of those reasons is football. I love football. I love watching football. I love yelling at the TV during football season. Um, I I wake up early on Saturdays so that I can sit down and watch college game day. It's like a holiday for me every week. It's what I want to do. It's been a unique year, obviously, but I love football. I love the fall. I love the, the, the cooler temperatures, but the sun is still shining. Sometimes in West Texas, I love fall. Basic, I should say I love fall when we get it for that one weekend. And then everything else is just you have no idea what you're going to get. Um, but one of the reasons I love it is because of Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think it's the coolest thing ever that we get to. Those are my two favorite holidays. Um, and they, they kind of cap off fall. They end fall with Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I love Thanksgiving and Christmas for obvious reasons. There's really good food. But I love how the world shifts during this time of year. There's no denying that the world turns a different color, looks a little bit different around Thanksgiving and and Christmas. I remember uh, I was in a band in college, um, and it was around this time of year that we were kind of starting up and um, realizing that we can make a go at this and trying to pick a name. And we were talking, I'll never forget this, we were talking in a Chili's in Nacogdoches, Texas about the spirit of Christmas. And not, not the, the giving or anything like that, but just the, you, you see what the church should look like year round during Christmas. People are glad to give. People are generous. They're smiling on their faces. Things can happen, but it's like, you know what? It's, it's, it's Christmas time. It's magical time of year. And uh, there's just nothing really deters them from this joy that they have. Thanksgiving. People that live 99% of the year upset find themselves with the ability to be thankful on a day. And it's interesting to me, this time of year, and I remember thinking in this Chili's, 
And this is what we sought to establish. We, we didn't want to be a band that would just go around and play music. We wanted to be a worship team sent out to places to lead revival. And that's what we got to do for a lot of years. But we asked this question of, wouldn't it be strange if a bunch of people just lived thankful and generous all the time? Wouldn't that be weird? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be just a very mysterious group if they lived like that all the time? Thankful, generous. They're probably people that would also believe in the, the power of children and, and they would uplift women and believe that uh, women are powerful and can do great and mighty things. And they would also believe in the, the youngest of these, even those in a womb, that they were anointed for great and mighty things. Kind of sounds like what we talked about last week. And if you hadn't guessed it yet, spoiler alert, we're supposed to be that people. A mysterious people that would be thankful all the time. That would live with open hands all the time. That would be unwavering in what they're anchored to. Look at Acts 5. Verse 12, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem, and more than ever believers were added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall upon some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. What a mysterious people. Can you imagine what it would be like to be one of those non-believers that sees Peter and sees his shadow touch somebody that is sick, and that person no longer be sick anymore? That person that was lame no longer be lame anymore. And it said that there were, there were some that were, you did not dare join them unless you were ready to be all in. That's what it's saying there. People were terrified of them because of the mystery. But people were also drawn to them. It says just a few chapters before in Acts 2 that they had favor with an entire city. They had favor. And people, the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those that were being saved. A mysterious people. In Philippians, we've read this several times, 4, 6, is going to be on the board. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A people always thankful will always be what? They'll always be at peace. There's a formula there. I know nothing has changed about the circumstances going into Thanksgiving. But I found myself on that day sitting at that table with my family, thinking about all the things that I'm thankful for. It's, my parents used to make us do it at the table, and it was always really annoying 
when we were kids because we didn't want to sit there and talk about how we were thankful for stuff because we just, no, that's stupid. We don't like that. I don't want to be vulnerable with my family. Um, and they're still, my sister's still not a big fan of it. Um, not that one. She, she's a, a sap. She's good with anything emotional. But we didn't, we used to complain about it, but now I'm sitting there staring at my two boys and, and one of them's finally at that age where he, he has a concept of thankfulness as much as a two-year-old can, can have a concept of thankfulness. And I'm sitting there thinking, my circumstances haven't changed. The things I have to deal with tomorrow are still waiting for me. Things I have to deal with at the end of that meal are still waiting for me. The things going on in our world were still there. But in that moment of choosing thankfulness and recognizing all that I have to be thankful for, do you not find yourself also at peace? Tell me, how can you be thankful and not at peace? You, I don't believe that you can. Because it says right there, if you're thankful, thankfulness, making your requests known to God with thanksgiving, you will be at peace. The peace that surpasses all comprehension will be presented to you. Now you can receive it or not. It's that whole thing. It's this other part of the equation of us receiving a thankful people can and will and should be a peaceful people. Now imagine a people walking the streets right now thankful. It'd be shocking. It'd be shocking. Imagine a people walking the streets right now at peace. At complete and total peace. It'd be shocking. It'd be mysterious. We are to be that mysterious people. We are to be a people consumed. If you've listened to Randy Sunday Schools, I encourage it. It's, it's on our website. It's on YouTube. It's out there. But last week, he, he spoke about this term. And he, he spoke about Mary and he spoke about the mountain of transfiguration. We're going to talk about this a little bit. Because this word that he brought is so much the key of unlocking a mysterious people. He said this word, and it's in scripture, and we'll look at it, overshadowed, overshadowed. We see it twice in the New Testament. We see it with Mary, and then we see it when Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Moses and Elijah appear. And we see it in this moment, and now this is not about the sermon, but just some context. When Peter is is, is wanting to build for all three that are there. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And God stops them right there. And it talks about this overshadowing presence. There's no beginning, no end to it. When he corrects Peter, it says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And this, re- this moment where Peter has to recognize that he is above these other two men. He is, he is the king. He is above these two men. He is not on the same level. But he talks about this overshadowing presence and we also see it with Mary. Go ahead and turn to Luke 1. We'll be in verse 26. In the sixth month, 
the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? She's just, she just had promise spoken over her. And she asked this question. Why does she ask this question? Now, I've heard, I've heard this preached that that was the doubt of Mary, the human nature of Mary. Part of that's true, but this is not, she's not doubting what the angel is saying to her. It's important to recognize. Something that is very natural that we do when the Lord speaks promises over us as we begin to look around at the circumstances in our life that we've encountered thus far to try to compare and locate something similar to what the Lord has just said and try to anchor to that, try to anchor to circumstance. It's a natural part of hearing the promises of God spoken over you. But look at God's answer in verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And because of that, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will come upon her. And because of that, the power of the Most High will overshadow her. And this is, this is where we miss it. The assurance of promises from God can't be found in circumstance. And our first place can't be to go to past, current, or future circumstance to find assurance in the promises God has made to us. Because I'm asking the Lord, I'm seeking the Lord, and I've encouraged the staff to do this as well. What, what does, we've seen 2020, and now 2020 is not over yet, but what does 2021 have in store? What is the Lord doing there? The Lord, you got to think, what has the Lord spoken in the year 2020? He spoke some crazy stuff. He spoke a lot of things in 2019 that would prepare us for the season we would find ourselves in. He, he sent people to write songs that would prepare us for the season that we find ourselves in. 
And these promises that I desire so desperately for us to see, I want us to see them come to fruition. I want to see these promises lived out. I want to see the people of God doing what God has called them to do. I want to see this this people of God that are vessels for kindness and are changing the world around us because we are introducing the world around us to kindness. I want to see prodigal sons and daughters returning home. I want to see this fourth pillar moving in power, not just in sundown Texas, but in all the surrounding communities. I want to see this house build this fire that the Lord has said to build. But we cannot think that promise will find its roots in the circumstances around us. But, and we, the children of God, stop there. We hear the promises of God. We receive them in part. And then we try to, try to grasp the circumstance around us of what that will begin to look like. And then we, be, we begin to build this expectation of what this should look like. That sound familiar? If the Lord prophesied over you right now, what would be the first thing you started to do? Well, maybe, maybe he's talking about this, and maybe it's going to look like this, and maybe this, and maybe that. I mean, it's really easy to do. It's, a, it's, it's human nature. You guys know what I'm saying, right? This is making sense, yes? You understand what I'm saying when the Lord speaks, and then we begin to try to build a story around the word that the Lord had given? And then how often do we miss it And we're disappointed when our expectation of how the Lord should move based on the word he spoke doesn't match up, right? Oh man, all the time, all the time, all the time. I used to find myself there so often, so disappointed because I would listen to the Lord and it's like I heard that word and I was gone. I was out. I was done listening. I heard what I needed to hear. It it felt good for me. And now I'm going to start creating a picture of what that needs to look like. That's not ever what it looks like. The promises we receive from God, the things he speaks over us corporately and individually cannot be rooted in circumstances. In John 2, verse 4. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? Now, he is, he's at the wedding. We just watched this episode of uh, The Chosen. If you've, if you've watched that series, uh, we just got to watch this, the wedding in Cana. Um, when they run out of wine and his, his mother gets him, which I think is astounding because her first place to turn is to the Son of God to fix this situation, which I just think is awesome. But... Jesus says to her in verse four, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. It's like a mom right there. And he just told her, no, I can't do this right now. She's like, he's he's got it. Servants, just listen to him. She's just done. She's done with the situation. It's handled. And I love what, if you've seen the chosen, I love what she says in that. Now, this is all hypothetical, but I love what she says because I see it represented in this moment. She said, if not now, then when? That's powerful. But anyways, 
His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine and did not know where it come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Canaan in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. What had to happen first for this to happen? It's important to know how this progressed. What had to happen first for this moment to happen? Well, let's look back. What, what big moment happened before Jesus' ministry began? His baptism. You guys know what I'm talking about? What happened at his baptism? He received, all of heaven was open to him. He was publicly adopted and he was given the Holy Spirit. And then he disappeared. 40 days and 40 nights. The Holy Spirit came upon him and the Son of God was then overshadowed by the presence of the Most High. And he made sure in those 40 days and 40 nights that that would be true, that he would receive all that the Lord had given him. There's a reason he received the Holy Spirit and then went away. It was the wilderness. What is the wilderness? Wilderness is a proving ground. It's a learning ground. If you take a survivalist class, how good is that knowledge if you just stay in the class? You got to go out into the wilderness. Same with anything. If somebody teaches you how to do something, but then you don't go try to figure it out for yourself. You've never proved anything. You've never learned anything. But it's in that moment of trial, that, that place, that proving ground where these things become true in us. And Jesus went to that. And then his ministry took off for three years before he was crucified. And the first was this miracle at the wedding. And as I was listening to Randy talk about this overshadowing, and the Lord had given me this word beforehand, I want a mysterious people. And I want to build a mysterious people. I am calling a mysterious people. And then I'm listening to Randy, and this is just what the Lord does. I went to sit down to prepare this, not knowing the direction he had me go. He said, listen to Randy's last Sunday school. It's like, all right. And he spoke this word overshadowing. And I, I know some of you can relate to this. That when Randy would preach up here, or even now when he's preaching, he would say something and then in my mind was gone. The Lord would take me somewhere completely different. Because what I needed, what the Lord had for me, anointed for me in that message was given. And now he had to start teaching me something else. 
But as the Lord was teaching through Randy, this question came. Are we a people overshadowed by the presence of the Most High? Or, and this is also found in Randy's sermon, are we still a people that are self-evaluating, self-condemning, self-centered, easily offended, easily angered, or easily put into a place of fear? Now this one, this last one's interesting because I've heard that word a lot lately, fear. Don't live in fear. People don't need to live in fear. And it has all completely been around COVID and coming to church or not coming to church. Every time I've heard that context, it's been, it's been that. Or your, your freedoms. You need, to, you need to exercise your right to, to breathe real close to somebody whenever you want to without a mask. Like, don't live in fear. Like, just dumb stuff. Really foolish stuff. And they were using fear. Don't live in fear. I would ask this of those that would preach that message. If the Lord said right now, there's a lame man outside in that street. And I want him to walk. Go tell him to walk. What are you going to feel first? You're going to feel some fear, right? Saying the word, saying the phrase don't live in fear does not mean that you do not live in fear. If you do not live in fear, there's no need to talk about fear. No need to preach about it because you don't live in it. You can't relate to it. You don't know it. It is a foreign thing to you. He has not given us a spirit of fear. It should literally be something we know nothing of. Those are the people that actually walk without fear. But what I'm seeing, did you, not, did you notice the trend of, of people that have uh, been coming after people, don't live in fear, go do this. Don't live in fear, go do this. Don't live in fear, go do this. That's a very self-centered message, isn't it? Because they want things to go back to a certain way, so they're telling other people to do it so that things can go back to the way I want things to go. That's self-evaluating, self-centered, and if I have somebody say, don't live in fear, or I mean, e- even now as a pastor, this is a tricky time and these are tricky subjects and um, I get that we can upset some people and ruffle some feathers. I don't care. I just want to live in obedience. I love you and I won't try to hurt your feelings, but I'm going to live in obedience. Um, so days that will close this church are not out of fear. They're out of obedience. I'm telling you, Jay and I have already talked about it. It's already established. There are days when COVID is a distant memory that these doors will still be shut on a Sunday because we need to be in our homes. We need to have the doors open, the windows open, praising Jesus right next to our neighbors that don't know God. He made that real clear. What a beautiful thing. But I'm telling you, If you want to know if we are a people overshadowed or not, ask, are any of these six things still found in me? If they are, then we have not been completely overshadowed because we have not completely received the Spirit. And if you don't receive what the Holy Spirit has for you completely, then you cannot be overshadowed by the presence of the Most High. Mary received the fullness of the Holy Spirit and then as a result was overshadowed by the presence of the Most High. Peter received the words that God had spoke in that moment and was over, overshadowed by the presence of the Most High. Because if he's wanting to build an altar for all three of these guys and 
God stops him and says, no, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And then after that moment's gone, Peter's like, so uh, I'm going to build these three altars. He'd have missed it. But that's what, that's what we do. We hear the promises of God, and then we immediately start going to circumstances, not receiving fully the Holy Spirit and what he has for us, and therefore we miss the overshadowing of the presence of the Most High, and therefore we are not a mysterious people. We are easily understood people. We cannot be an easily understood people anymore. I, I talked about this with my, uh, my other sister, Paige, the other day. She was talking about a show, and I watched a little bit of it, and I can't help, but every time I watch a show, I get attached to these fictional characters in the sense that I'm like, man, I wish this fictional person would just come sit in my office and we could talk about deliverance for a little bit. That's where my mind goes. My mind goes to, okay, what's their control? What are their odd actions, attitudes, and behaviors that just don't make sense? What's the root? What's this root? I find myself living there. I can't, I can't help but listen to these people and, and these fictional characters and want, want to disciple them and walk them through deliverance ministry. I don't know why I said that. That was odd. But if we, if we are to be a people overshadowed, we've got to live in that space. We've got to be these people that cannot leave the presence of God. If you are overshadowed by the presence of God, you can't see the end of it, the top of it, behind you. It, it, it's all consuming. And therefore, that is the only place that you live and that's the only place that you dwell. And in that place... In that place, we see the promises that he has for us. We see the fruition of those things. But it has come to a time where we cannot just have one foot in it any longer. We can't do it. We can't do it. We cannot sing these powerful words and expect to see them because we simply sang them. When you speak, you will see fruit when you are overshadowed by the presence of the Most High. Not just because you're a Christian. That's important to recognize. And the Lord is doing that. What has the Lord said? He is dividing. He is splitting with a double-edged sword those that would be overshadowed and those that will be consumed by the flame. Now, I'm telling you, I was, I was thinking about this uh, with Melissa's message um, and just we had a conversation after, and I, I spoke a little bit about it uh, last Sunday, how the first few times when I was learning how to do this on a stage to a group of people, maybe five minutes, like three pages of notes, five minutes, we're done, we're out. And it was, I was learning how to do this at a very, very structured church. So like this had this much time and then we had this much time to get from here to there and then we had this much time of worship and then we had this much time of, a, of an altar call and then we had this much time of this and this and this. I'm, I'm telling you, we used to get, and I love this church, it was just the way they did it, but we used to get a printout of the set list and it had to the minute, to the second of how long we'd be in each song. Like by 228, we're done with this song and 229, we've started this one. Like, whew, 
structured. So me speaking five-minute sermons was not, was not good for the structure. But I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about what the Lord said um, through Melissa, and, and this just as I was sitting there listening to her, and he said, sometimes my words don't need to be sermons. They're reminders, they're calls to action, and that, that's all my people need. And he was t- teaching me more about that this week of how I've said that I want us to get rid of the typical structure of church. So sometimes that means two sermons, no sermons, five-minute lesson, and you're right back out the door. Your seat's not even warm yet from sitting down before you're gone again. And he was just teaching me more about myself and what he's been building me up for. He's been, he's been building me for this position for a long time. And that position is that I'm not, I'm not here to give sermons. I'm not here to be a preacher. I am here to call the people of God to action. And I will do it by myself if I must, but I'm really hoping you'll be there with me. And, that's, and the day that we don't need to be active is the day I'll stop preaching it. But we have got to be a people that are overshadowed by the presence of God, completely overshadowed by the presence of God, that everyone out there would be in awe of the mystery that is surrounding us. They should be slightly terrified as they see one of us enter the room. But also desire to know what is it that makes this person so mysterious? What is it that allows them to live the way they live? Look at John 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Verse 33 again. Whoever receives his testimony sets a seal to this, that God is is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God. He gives the Spirit without measure. Can we be a people that our testimony is simply this, God is true? Think about those three words and how that would change, how that should change what your life would look like if those three words were the only thing, the only testimony, God is true. There would be a people then, a mysterious people, an overshadowing people, a people that don't hear the promises of God, 
and then just receive in part and then go to circumstances to try to understand what this promise is going to look like, what this word is going to look like, but a people that would receive in fullness from the Holy Spirit and then would be overshadowed by the presence of God and then they live their life. Mary still lived her life after that moment. But I'm telling you, not, not five verses later, after this moment, she simply speaks, and Elizabeth's baby, John the Baptist, is leaping in the womb, and Elizabeth in that moment receives the Holy Spirit. And now there are two that are overshadowed by the presence of God. We have to stop receiving in part, but we have to receive in fullness. What the Lord has spoken is too great. I see it each and every day. I see these, I see the way the world is going. I see what social media is doing. I see what people are beginning to believe about themselves. And then those people that believe these things about themselves are now raising children. And it just seems to be a kingdom of chaos. It doesn't need more people that live in chaos. It needs a mysterious, undefinable group of people. An overshadowed group of people. Because what the Lord has spoken, I look at the world out there and I'm like, man, I wish they would believe what God has said to us. I wish they could know what God has said to us. But it's not about the word getting out there. I was thinking about this as I was watching Randy on YouTube. I thought, man, this is crazy. We're on YouTube. There's our little logo. That's awesome. And then I looked at it. It's like six, six views. And then the next video I'm getting ready to watch has six million views. Like, oh, there's a difference. But that is not what the Lord desires is for the word to get out. He doesn't need another megachurch that reaches millions and millions of people. He needs a group of people to just simply believe what he says and live it. We don't need any more sermons. Oh my goodness, you could get lost and you could kill yourself looking at all the, the research and the references and the resources that you could have on studying the very simple truth of God. That he is for you. If you would receive all that he has for you. It's not hard. But we have made an empire on the preaching of the word of God. We have not built a kingdom full of people living out the word of God. So can we do that? Can we be a people that establish the kingdom God desires, which is a people that live what he has spoken. A people that live overshadowed by the presence of God, receiving fully the Holy Spirit, fully receiving the Holy Spirit. And then because of that being overshadowed by the presence of God and being a mysterious people, can we do that? And the unfortunate thing is, is that some will not. That's, that's been the hardest thing about this season. When the Lord said he was going to cut. And it was going to be black and white. People were going to see themselves on one side or the other. 
and then looking across and seeing those that are not on the side I would hope they would be on. That's hard to see, isn't it? That's tough to see those that will still not receive. But I'm telling you right now, that cannot be if you're here, if you're listening online, if you're in this room, do not be those. But be those that would be overshadowed by the presence of God that would be a mysterious people. A mysterious people. Don't let this be a routine. Don't let this be a part of a day. Let this walk with the Lord. Let this life that you live leave an impact that establishes generations and generations yet to come. Or we will see, I'm telling you, I've seen this. We will see a generation that has to walk upstairs to the level God has intended for them to be on and they will walk past us. Not because we've built something up for them to stand on. Not because our ceiling is their floor. But because we have not moved. And God has to move them around us. Can you imagine that? That your children wouldn't know who God had created them to be. Because you didn't show them. I'm talking to myself there. That puts it in a new perspective. And now there are parents that don't know who they're created to be. So how can they show their kids? But there are a mysterious people that are meant to exist in this world. That in our speaking in the presence, people would find the Holy Spirit. Because we are overshadowed by the presence of God. And where we go, that presence goes. And then those that would be near us would also be overshadowed by the presence of God. The Lord has spoken great and mighty promises to us. But we have to first receive them fully that we could receive this overshadowing presence. And we must desire above all else to be a mysterious people. We must desire above all else not not to see miracles. Not to see... uh, As bad as this... don't, Don't take this the wrong way, but not to see more salvation. Not to see more miracles. Because those things are all added to a people that live in the presence of God. That's a natural thing that happens. Peter lived in the presence of God and therefore that overshadowing presence that went with him was what brought the healing. Peter shadowed and bring the healing. Peter's Peter. He's a vessel. For what? An overshadowing presence of the Most High. And that overshadowing presence was touching people as he just lived his life. You know where he was on the way to when they were lining the streets? He was on the way to go worship. He was just on the way to go to the temple to worship God. And people were healed along the way. These things that we want to see are added to us being a mysterious people overshadowed by the presence of God. Listen to that word from Randy last Sunday. It's online. It's, it's a wonderful word. It's a powerful word. And it is the key to us living this life of glory to glory to glory. It is the key to us being an, a mysterious people. Because once we are overshadowed, we are a mysterious people. But we have to make that choice. We have to desire it for ourselves and for those around us. It's time for action. You will hear me say that. For the rest of my life. 
It is time for action. It is not time for more sermons. It's not time for more resources, more Bible study books. It's not what it's time for. It's time for the people of God to be the people of God. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this morning. I pray that we would be just that, a mysterious people that live active and ready. Lord, that desire to see the new things that your promises will bring. The new things, desire to see our life in a different way. Lord, I pray that we would be a people overshadowed by the presence of God. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you're building and what you're doing. Find us ready and active in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.